Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's Word is truth and your questions matter. I am your host, Jonathan Romero, and we are still in Ephesians. We're going to be finishing up chapter 4 today. And we're going to be looking at two verses, and those are verses 31 and 32. Um, And in these verses, we will learn about what we are to put away, what shouldn't be named among us, and then the things that we should actually portray or have uh, because we are a new creation. And we will dig more deeply into verses 31 and 32, uh, but to gain in full context of what Paul is saying, let's start off by reading from verse 17 all the way till the end of that chapter in chapter 4. And this is what it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That, But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So, Let's look back in verse 31. So all of that, we're going to be looking back to, right? So from verses 17 and on, we see uh, the new life as we are created into uh, more and more into the likeness of Christ as the days goes on. So this new creature that we have been created into, now we must have virtues that reflect Christ and no longer reflect our old self. 
Listen to what it says in verse 31 again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from, from you, along with all malice. So notice it says, let all. So that let all shows that God has actually granted us the ability to set these things aside. And this is done because of the work that he has done in creating us into a new creature, right? So what does Paul here list to the Ephesians as he's writing to them? He's saying, let bitterness, let all bitterness be put away from you. So what is bitterness? Well, you can consider that as unwillingness to forgive, uh, harsh feelings towards people, smoldering resentment, right? So so bitterness is kind of like um, people don't want to be around those who are bitter, right? So if you are showing bitterness, um, you're not showing Christ because now you're showing that you are above everyone else um, and that's the way it should be. And if they don't like it, they should just go. Well, no one wants to be around other better people, right? We want to be around those who are kind and loving and we will see that more uh, later in verse 32, but here in verse 31, he's saying, set this aside. Let all bitterness be put away, right? And it also, it says, and wrath. So now the wrath of us must be put away, right? So what is wrath? Well, wrath could be burst of rage or violent passion, temper tantrums, right? This quick burst of anger that comes from within, right? It, it seems like you are unable to contain it. But what is uh, the fruit of the Spirit? Well, we, we are told that one of them is self-control. So if we lack self-control, what are we saying about ourselves, right? So we must remember that, understand that this must be put away. And then he goes on to say, Anger. So he differentiates between wrath and anger. And anger uh, could be grouchiness, um, animosity, or hostility towards others, right? Um, clamor. What is clamor? Clamor would be a loud outcry, outcries of anger. So it's, it's, it's similar to bursts of anger. Uh, bawling, angry, bickering, um, shouting down of opponents right? So you're putting people down um, and, and that must be put away from you. Um, and then he goes on to say, and slander be put away from you. So what is slander? Well, slander could be evil speaking, right? Insulting language or abusive speech. So again, we must recount on or look to our pattern of speech and how we speak and we must check ourselves to see, am I being mean right now? Right? Sometimes we can joke around um, um, and put other people down. But deep down inside, we must remember and recognize our speech should not be that of putting others down. Because that should be put away from us. Now, if they understand you're joking and they are 
fine with that, then uh, um, let it be known that you're just messing around. But then again, we can communicate uh, wrongly what we're trying to say when we say something and not really put into thought, maybe I shouldn't say this. This isn't Christ-like. And that's what Paul is getting at here, that we must be Christ-like. And bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice, none of that should be uh, named among us, right? So what is malice? Malice is wishing evil on others, right? Or you could say spite. What is spite? Spite is a desire to hurt or annoy or offend someone or meanness, right? Being mean to people. But it says here from one another. Like we must recognize that we are to love one another and not hate one another um, and not show that hate through our bitterness or wrath or anger or clamor or slander or malice, right? So we must understand that none of this should be named among us. Listen to what it says in Colossians 3, 8. Um, this is a, you could say a cross-reference. Uh, Colossians and Ephesians, you can read the two together and pull out the same ideas that Paul is saying, but also we can gain more context of what Paul is saying. Listen to what it says. I'll begin in verse 7 of chapter 3 in Colossians. In these you too once walked. So there, before that, he talked about uh, putting to death, therefore, what is earthly in us. And he says it's sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then he goes on to say, in these you too once walked. So you once was there when you were living in them. But now we are dead to them, right? We are made into a new creature. We're made alive. And this is what he says in verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, here it is, in knowledge after the image of its creator. So what Paul is saying here in Colossians is the fact that how this is all done is through the knowledge of recognizing that we are being made and renewed after the image of its creator, after the image of Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 12 in Colossians chapter 3, put on then as God, God's chosen ones. And then he starts making a list. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. So we must recognize that the reason why we must put away bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice is to recognize that we must be able to put on something else. And what is this new thing that we're putting on? Well, these are, you could say, spiritual virtues that God has given us in Christ. And this is what be, uh, must be named among us. Listen to what it says in verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right? So we must be kind to one another. So no longer must we be what 
Paul lists in verse 31, but now we are told that we are to be tender-hearted to one another. Before we do that, we must be kind to one another. That's uh, really close to each other, but we must be imitators, right? We must imitate what is Christ and who is Christ. And what better example as we see in his kindness, right? So what does it mean to be kind to one another? Well, kindness is an unselfish concern for the welfare of others. It's a desire to be helpful, um, even at great personal sacrifice, right? So now you're no longer in first place. You're putting yourself last so that others may be put before you. You're considering others to be more significant than yourself. And that's what it means uh, to be kind to one another. And then he goes on to say tender-hearted, right? So tender-heartedness is a, a sympathetic, compassionate, you could say affectionate uh, kind of interest in others, right? And it's a willingness to bear their burden, right? So as the body of Christ, we must be able to recognize that we are to carry each other burdens um, because we are unable to carry our own. So we have others to lean on. We have others to confess our sins to. We have others uh, who are part of the same body that we can come to and ask for help and they will help because they love God, right? So uh, there's two tables of the law and the first table of the law tells us to love God. And the second table of the law tells us to love one another, right? So love God and then love neighbor. And one way we can show that is by carrying each other's burdens, right? We must be able to walk alongside with one another uh, so that we can do uh, what God tells us in his word as we sharpen one another, right? And he gives us this example by saying as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. So uh, that is the example that we are to be giving. And by this example, the world will see whom truly we worship. They will see that we truly are disciples of Christ. And Christ said that in his word. Uh, that our love for one another will be seen by others, those who are not of the fold, those who are not of the flock. And they will say, yeah, they, they love Christ. You can see that by their love for one another. So my challenge to you, my question for you is, are you loving one another as you ought to be? Are you truly carrying each other's burdens? Or are you being the one unleashing all of your burdens to everyone else, but you're not carrying anybody else's burden? Right? So we must really check ourselves and, and recognize that God has given us a command and he's telling us to be kind to one another, right? So Paul is being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. And this is coming from God because this is God's word. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So forgiveness, right? What is that? Well, it's a readiness to pardon offenses, right? To overlook personal wrongs against oneself. So you're overlooking these wrongs that are done to you 
because you are called to be forgiving. And I, and to harbor no desire for retaliation, right? So we must recognize that the same way in how we were forgiven of our trespasses is how we are to forgive others, their trespasses against us. Right? So listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. So you should rather turn and turn to forgive and comfort him. This is talking about a brother um, in Christ. And it says, let, let me reread that. Let me read from verse 5, actually, in chapter 2 of Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it to severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. So there's a love that the people had for a brother here. And what Paul is saying is, hey, instead of not forgiving them and cause them to be overwhelmed by their sorrow, uh, turn to them. He says, so I beg you to re reaffirm your love for him. So let him be assured that you truly do love him. And then he says, for this, I why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. So forgiveness is a big thing uh, because God has shown us forgiveness in a great way. So in, in order to be forgiven, we must have done wrong towards someone. So we have been forgiven by God, which means that we have wronged God. But with that idea, what greater example do we have than God himself in forgiveness? Right? Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 again. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God in Christ forgave us. And here we see that in Christ, this shows that in the person and work of Christ, God found a righteous basis on which he could forgive us. So it's all because of Christ. In Christ, the Lord Jesus gave us a great example, and it's pretty graphic, but it's important to recognize. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and on. This is what it says. This is the, the parable of the un unforgiving servant, right? Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. So what Paul is doing here is trying to be um, self-righteous, right? So three is the number of perfection. So what he did, he times three by two 
And then for good measure, he added one more, which, may, which makes it seven. So he says, as many as seven times. Listen to what it says in verse 22. This is what Christ says. Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made, and to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him, forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out and he found it, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Listen to what it says in verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger his master put him, delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father, listen to what Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So it's a heart issue in forgiveness. But again, we must recognize what has God forgiven us? Well, he has forgiven us from the greatest lawbreaking ever, and that is to defy the Lord and go against him which is sin, right? All kinds of sin. Doesn't matter if you call it a big sin or a small sin. Um, the understanding here is that we must no longer be classified as sinner, but now as Paul does in a lot of his uh, epistles, he calls us saints because that's what we are when we are created into a new creature. But so because of that, we must be a a reflection of Christ on earth, right? So we must be able to reflect Christ in such a way that others will see our love for one another and also our love for God, right? We must recognize that God is dwelling within us and that now what he is doing, he is weaving out of the sins that are deep within. So now, what we once saw as a small sin, now we're looking at it as a, a grievous sin, a great sin, right? People will say lying is small. But scripture reminds us of the lying tongue and how God does not lie, right? Because he is the embodiment of truth. He is truth. 
Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. But through the truth, we will be able to come to God. So why are we speaking in such a way that we are not being forgiving to one another, not being tenderhearted to one another, not being kind towards one another, but instead we are showing bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice and try trying to justify that because here in scripture it tells us plainly that we are to forgive one another we are to be tender-hearted and be kind to one another as god in christ forgave you that is the standard and that's what god is calling us to do he's calling us to be like christ in this way Put on these virtues that are spiritual, these virtues that only is possible with a changed heart, right? <clears throat> because we must recognize that doing all of this brings glory to God, and that's the ultimate purpose of man. We are his workmanship created in, the, in God from before the foundations of the world so that we may be able to do these good works. Is it for our glory? No, it's for God's glory. So we must recognize if you call yourself a Christian, if you are a self-professed Christian and you have repented from your sins and you've turned to Christ for the salvation of your souls, then look like it, right? We must look like it in such a way that it is coming from the heart, right? Not just showing it outwardly, but inside we're still being bitter and wrathful and uh, showing anger and, and being angry uh, enclosed in our rooms because, again, God is with us. So if you're still angry, God is seeing all of this and there's no change in you. Now, you might still be nice to other people, but when you go back home, you're still being bitter? No, Scripture tells us plainly here that we are to be kind towards one another, either in their presence or outside of their presence. Doesn't matter. Because I can still be unkind to someone else without them being there. I can still be a lacking and being tender-hearted to them without them being there. I can even be unforgiving to them. But in, in their face, it looks like I've forgiven them. But as I turn my back towards them, I, I continue speaking falsely against them. I continue being unforgiving to them and holding on to grudges. But no. Scripture tells us that as far as the east is to the west, God has casted our sins away from him. So in the same way, we must look at others and say, I forgive you. Brother, I forgive you. Sister, I forgive you. Because we must let all bitterness, not some bitterness, but all bitterness and, and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from us along with all malice, he says. So he continues this all, right? He begins, let all, and ends it with all. So that is my challenge uh, for the rest of this week and, and so forth, that you must uh, check yourself 
examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in Christ. And if you are, uh, check your pattern of speech. Uh, check, do you have bitterness in you still? Check to see if you have wrath still stirred up within you. What about anger and clamor? Uh, all these um, attributes that are attributed to all man, right? Especially all man apart from Christ. We must recognize that that's no longer us anymore. We have been made and created into a new creature. And because of this, now we must put on kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiveness, right? And that's the way God causes to show ourselves and portray ourselves towards others, but also that God may be glorified because God is glorified in all of this. So if you have not truly repented from your sins and you're just playing the Christian, trying to show kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness, but if you don't have Christ in you, um, then you're just being a liar because you are playing the Christian, but you're not truly have been born again. So to be born again, you must be born of the Spirit, that there must be an ch internal change within you, that you no longer want to sin, but now you desire uh, to do what God calls us to do. And he calls us to repent from our sins, turn away from our sins, and to trust in Christ, to believe in the gospel, right? Believe that Christ has come to die for the sins of his people, that he died on a Roman cross, that he was buried. On a third day, he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven, right? When Christ came, he was born of a virgin. We must recognize all of this and its implications of what it means that Christ was born of a virgin, what it means that Christ was actually uh, mocked at and spat at and put on a cross, even though he was the sinless Son of God. So study God's word and see what God has in store for us, what God is telling us in his word. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. 